Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show all about art, craft, and creativity. Well, if you couldn't express yourself, how would you de-stress yourself? And if you couldn't make and build and sing, and knit and paint and dance and spin, would you go crazy? Well, if you're going crazy... Hello and welcome to episode 206. This is another Art Prize edition of the Craft Sanity Podcast, and this time I'm going to bring you a conversation with Melody Jackson. She's a 26-year-old Zealand, Michigan ceramic artist who entered Art Prize 2017 with a really beautiful vessel. It's this vase that stands about, it's less than 17 inches tall and approximately like 17 inches around in diameter. And it depicts something very cool. It is the view from the Pearl Street Bridge. It's called Early January on the Pearl Street Bridge. And she basically stood there and took a series of photographs and then depicted the scene, what she saw that day on this vessel. The level of detail is almost ridiculous. I will put links to Melody's art price page and then also her business. She has a business called Joy Jack Ceramics and she makes lovely mugs. She also does panoramic views on bowls, smaller than the ones that she did for art price. Although if you want to hire her to do a giant one, I haven't talked to her, but something tells me that, you know, artists like to work. So, you know, she she might be able to do that for you. So I'll put the link on craftsanity.com so you can check that out. I just want to thank my Patreon sponsors and supporters for helping me keep the show going. Thank you so much. All right, let's get to this talk with Melody. Can you describe your entry? Tell us the name of it and tell us what you were looking to achieve in this piece. Early January on the Pearl Street Bridge is a panoramic view of the Pearl Street Bridge put on a large ceramic vase. My goal in that is to put all the detail that I see into the, the piece so that people can see the detail afresh and see how beautiful it is. And it really is beautiful. And I've walked across that bridge many times myself. And this gives, for those who um, have not seen the piece or may, might be from out of town, the Pearl Street Bridge is a bridge that goes across the the Grand River. It When you stand on it, you can get a full panoramic view of the whole downtown area of Grand Rapids. And there are um, very distinct landmarks and buildings on each side of the river. And in that area, how many bridges do are you depicting on your piece? I just can't remember how many bridges go across the, yeah, the river. There's one on one that I see on the one side that has little lights on it that goes from the board area, I think, to the other side of the auditorium. You see, I never I never knew any of the names of these places until after I had started working on the piece. And then I started seeing places that I knew because I'd spent hours working on them. <laughs> right. And then suddenly they had a name. And I know we talked a little bit in person, but if you can explain your process a little bit of how you 
uh, went about creating this piece? Well, it started one night as I was going to bed. I suddenly had this idea pop into my mind of a large vase with a cityscape on it. And I was so excited. I like I, I could hardly sleep. I was just like, I had this adrenaline rush. <laughs> I ended up trying to figure out, is this something that I, I should do? Or is this just kind of a crazy idea? And... I I prayed about it, and then I was able, in the end, to do it. Had you ever done anything like this before? I looked at some of your earlier work, but this seems so much more detailed and larger than your earlier work. So is is this the biggest thing you've made to date? Yes, this is the biggest thing I've made. It started out being about 20 inches in diameter. What, What I did was I got this idea of doing a large vase with a cityscape on it, and I bounced around a couple of ideas, and, and some of them, looking back, are very impractical. <laughs> but I then started searching, like, trying to figure out, well, what could I do with it? And obviously, Art Prize was a good idea. And so then I thought, the work that I do has to do with place. The panoramic series started out when I was driving through farmland back and forth from our house in Hamilton into town and I thought of doing a little bowl with a panoramic view of farmland. I didn't know if it would work to wrap a panoramic view around a bowl. I did it and it was very small but I just loved it and then I made a second one. Then a friend of the family found out about it and asked if I could do one for his wife's childhood farmhouse that was being torn down. Mm. And a few days after I had done it, the farmhouse was torn down. Oh, wow. After I I went and took the pictures, the farmhouse was torn down, and he scavenged through through the basement because the pictures that I had, some things were quite decrepit, and there was no garden or anything. And he secretly went through his pictures, um, his wife's pictures, and found gardens that her stepmom had done in different memories. Oh, nice. And so I was able to add those things that were precious to the family into the piece. And it really became like a a memory and all these touchstones. And it was so precious, not just because like it was pretty and it was interesting, but because these places had meaning to the people who saw them. And I did several house bowls after that. And because Art Prize is in Grand Rapids, it seemed that it was necessary for me to do a Grand Rapids scene so that the people who were there would have those touchstones of places that are important and familiar to them. And the Pearl Street Bridge is what I ended up doing. I browsed around. I kind of had this idea of of a skyline with tall, beautiful buildings. And a bridge is an ideal place to find that because there aren't buildings to either side blocking your view of going off into the distance. I loved all the different architecture. There's such rich variation. Like DeVos Place has that curved roof. And the Amway Grand has so much detail in the brickwork. And then... J.W. Marriott has such an interesting shape that there was just so much going on. And then on the other side, I love the dome of the public museum. And I 
really enjoyed the trees and the um, the railing also really caught my attention. When did you stand on the bridge to take the pictures? How long ago was that? That was in early January, which is why it's called early January on the Pearl Street Bridge. That makes perfect sense. If I would pay attention to the <laughs> to the name of your piece, I would have a clue about this. Okay, so early January, you stood there and took pictures. And h- how many photos did you take? And did you take a series of photos or a panoramic like iPhone shot? How did you do this? I had a point-and-shoot camera, and I don't know how many pictures I took, but I would take like four pictures, like looking up at maybe a 45 degree angle, then at a 90 degree angle, then down slightly, then down further. And so maybe like four shots, three or four shots, just getting everything from in in the one space. And then I turn slightly and do it again. Now, were you using a tripod or did you just hold the camera? No, just just holding the camera and keeping my feet in one place, slowly turning in a circle. Okay. Now, did anyone watch you do this? Were people wondering, I wonder what this woman's doing? Or were you, did you have any company on the, on the bridge that day? I think it was the day of the women's march. Oh, okay. So people... Were people mar- yeah yeah okay so there, yeah there were a number of women marching on the other side of the bridge okay so people were but they had their own thing to focus on that yeah. day <laughs> yeah so you yep. photographing people on the bridge didn't really bother anybody did you print out the photos or what did you yeah, do next then I went home and I made a montage of the photos and my brain was slightly bent as I realized that it wasn't just like putting a jigsaw puzzle together because each time you turn the perspective shifts so the two (laughs) pictures don't fit right together and so I had to really pick and choose which pictures went like one on top of the other and how I did different things and when I finally got it to where I was satisfied I printed it out to the size of pearl and wrapped it around and put pinpricks to mark where the buildings were so that I could be certain that the buildings would wrap around properly and the spacing would be correct. So you wouldn't get to the other side and have like a half inch gap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> whoops. Yeah. Because, oh my word. I just want to point out something here that for the folks who can't see the piece, not only are your ceramic skills and just working with pottery skills top notch but just that process you just described a lot of people would not be able to do that had you already thrown the 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 vessel itself then so you already had a piece waiting for this design i made the design and then i was able to i i calculated how tall i wanted because i didn't i i wanted a vase but um i I had always done shallow bowls, like a like twelve inch diameter and five inches tall. Okay, um, and that was how I did the panoramic views for the houses. But I wanted this to be a vase. The problem was when you measure how far around something is. Like when when you're looking at a panoramic view, if you could like draw a circle, like turn around in a circle with a pencil in your hand and draw a circle and measure how far it is from the beginning of what you see turning around to back to the beginning. And you took how long that is, and then you took how long it is from maybe the sky where you're looking to the ground. The, the proportions 
are usually there's a whole lot more going around than there is going up and down. So I was struggling to like figure out how to make it a vase because I wanted a vase. (laughs) Um, What I ended up doing was deciding that I wanted to have a huge amount of the railing and the sidewalk in there. And that was partially just the logistical problem of getting it to be a vase and also partially because once like I I realized that that was one of the most interesting parts of it for me the buildings are very exciting but the nuts and bolts in the railing are really exciting too so how long did you put into the troubleshooting part of this of just trying to figure out how, how um, because that sounds like that must be one of the I mean I it's I'm assuming that etching took a long time too but just getting to that point where you could start actually working on the piece I spent about a month figuring out how to do coil and and throw which was the method I used to make the body of the piece the first time I made it it worked but it was wobbly and so I tried again and again and I finally got it And then it took a very long time to figure out how to work my computer to make the montage, especially because there were just so many megapixels in all these pictures that I was trying to put together. And my computer was like, it it was really, really slow. And it was just kind of, (laughs) anyway, that was very difficult. When I finally did get it, it was quite simple to modify the, the shapes and stuff. So that was probably, I'd estimate, 30 hours of work on the montage and a month of trying with three to seven hours a day doing the different coil and throw things because one day it would be seven hours throwing the base and putting a coil on and then the next day I'd put another coil on because I didn't have a blowtorch to go faster. I'm not familiar with this method myself. So you have a base and then coils of clay that you're applying as you're Um, on a wheel though, but you're on a wheel. There are some people who can just take 50 pounds of clay and center them, but they have a very different body structure than I do. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And, (laughs) And so the way that I was able to make a vase this large was um, by throwing a base and then rolling out a long piece of coil about 14 pounds worth and maybe two and a half inches thick and then I would take that coil and wrap it over my shoulders take it to the wheel and press it into the edge of the base and then when it was very well attached and smoothed I would turn the wheel on and pull that coil thin so that it would come up to about six inches. Oh, wow. And then I would cover the rim so that it stayed moist and let the bottom part firm up so that it was strong enough for the weight of the next coil, which I would join the next day. And I would continue that to about five coils tall, which was the height of the piece. Then I would make sure it was very smooth. And it it was difficult because when... I threw it, it was moist clay, and so I needed to, when I measure, give myself about a quarter inch extra, because when it firmed up, it would go in a quarter inch, and then to have a straight wall, I needed to make sure that the one I had just thrown was a quarter inch 
wider than the one that was underneath it. How long did you have to wait before you could start putting those pinpricks in to mark off your design? First, I covered what I had done and I was like really pleased with it, but there had been some problems with small bubbles. I had been trying to wedge and it just hadn't been wedging correctly. And so I was worried about those small bubbles. I had to wait and ask the studio boss if he thought that that would be a problem if we if we dried it really well. And so I just covered it and waited and then he said it would be fine. Then I was able to put my pinpricks in. Now, I'm guessing that was a lot of pinpricks. I mean, it's... Yes, yes, it was. And I think I kind of overdid it because I had a lot of nervousness. But as I continued doing it, I found that my drawing skills were up to the task with just a few pricks. And so did you just use pottery tools to do that? Or did you use something unconventional to do the the etching on there? Actually, I started out with line drawing like I had on my previous pieces um, because I had really wanted to do shallow relief, especially for the railing. That was the only thing that seemed like it would it would be right. But because I didn't know what would happen with trying to add more clay on top if it would crack off and be ruined, I just decided to just do it the way I already knew how. But as I was trying to do that, I realized it just wasn't working. And then I had the idea of carving and pushing in on the piece instead of trying to add more on top. And so I started with the railing and I carved that out. And then the buildings that I had been doing, I started doing them in shallow relief too, just with pottery tools that I had recently gotten little wooden tools with flat surfaces and pointed surfaces and edges and it it was interesting because I started out with that usually piece by piece your technique improved but this was such a long process that by the time I was halfway around the pot I would look back at buildings I had done at the beginning and say oh those don't match and I'd go back and I'd fix them (laughs) <laughs> and so, so it was like a never-ending project because you were continuing to go back and improve and so finally I got to the trees I had thought that I would just do lines for the tree branches but because everything else was in shallow relief I ended up doing them in shallow relief they're one of my favorite parts now I think the trees and then the little bolts in the railing are my favorite parts And how many hours did it take to make it around the bowl? It took 450 hours of of carving. Part of that time then was after it was bisked, putting the wash on and painting it on all the tree limbs and stuff. When you're working with pottery, this had to stay moist and guarded. It's it's not like a a fiber art piece or something you can kind of put away or, and it's not, I mean, this is very uh, (laughs) fragile and, and also that level of of how, how moist this thing was. I mean, did you have to cover it or how did you? My studio boss saw that I had it on a large plastic bat and he said, oh no, don't do that. It'll crack. And so he had me put it on plaster bat that he had and he lent it to me and so um, then I kept it under plastic I had a laundromat bag that I had cut so it was just a long sheet that I would gently wrap over the piece and then on top of that I had bought a huge 
bag to put on top of everything. So every day I would work on it and periodically spritz the inside because I didn't want to mess up any of the detail on the outside. And then it would soak the moisture in and I would run a sponge along the bottom so that no drips got down on there and made the bottom unstable. Then I would just open the laundromat bag in a V, an upside down V, and work on that section until it was completed and then move the laundromat bag to another section and work on that V. How much does this piece weigh? It was about 50 pounds of wet clay. We're estimating it's 35 to 40 pounds now that it's fired. Have you ever broke a piece? I mean, was that something that you're really worried about? I have had pieces break and warp. One thing that happens is when you push a piece in a certain direction, when it's leather hard, then even if you push it back, when you fire it, it has a memory and it goes back to its warped shape again. Oh, yeah. Okay. And the other thing is it can crack, especially if it's still moist when you put it in the kiln. There were a number of things that I was worried about with Pearl. I didn't really feel a lot of worry, but when I got to ArtRise, I suddenly started having a feeling that Pearl didn't belong to me and that I needed to be careful because it was the work of not just me, but everyone who had helped and had put prayers and effort into getting her where she was. And also, it belonged to the people of Grand Rapids. And so, I needed to be very careful with how I treated her. And that was a strange way to interact with a piece that I had felt that I had made, but that I no longer felt I owned. What kind of feedback are you getting to this piece when people go by? I get a lot of varied feedback. Some people are very interested in it because it reminds them of things that they love. Like I've I've had people say, oh, when I used to live here, the only building that was, like the tallest building was the such and such building, or there used to be a weather ball on top of that building and I wish they'd put it back. And just, it, it has to do with memory and like the touchstones, and that's really precious. And some people are just very excited because of all the detail. They love just looking at it and seeing that the longer they look, the more they see. Some people enjoy it, but it it doesn't seem to strike them so much. That's all okay, and it's all good. I've had a couple of people who have said, hey, I worked on that bridge, or I did the in- infrastructure of that bridge, or oh, I did wow. the railing on, on that auditorium over there. And those have been really precious things because it's been an honor being part of that. I did read in your bio that you got interested in, in uh, ceramics and pottery at a, at a pretty young age. Was it high school that was your first introduction to the art form? We did pinch pots in elementary school. And I saw a Japanese master center a ball of clay on the show Reading Rainbow. But my first first time to have a proper pottery class was in high school. When we talked, you said you had gone to Hope College. So you yes. uh, ended up... And what high school uh, district were you in in high school? I was in Kenya, 
where my parents were missionaries. Oh, yes. Let's talk about that. Did you live there your whole childhood or how many years were you in Kenya? Every four years, we would come back to the United States for a year for furlough. Okay. And so sometimes I'll say either, I have this memory, it was either in second grade or in seventh grade. (laughs) And people will look at me strangely, but the reason is because I know it was in America. (laughs) (laughs) So you have these four years, it's like a leap year in a way. And when you were in Kenya, did you, what kind of school did you go did your parents work at a school? Yeah, my parents worked at a missionary boarding school okay. where my father was a teacher and my mother was a nurse. How did that shape you, you think, as a person and as an artist? I think that it gave me a lot of interest in the idea of home because the place that I considered my home, it had a constant flow and turnover of who lived there, and then I I would come to America and stuff. And so it it wasn't just something that I took for granted. And I kind of came to the conclusion that home was wherever my mother was. And (laughs) I I think my dad has the same idea. How recently were you still moving back and forth between Kenya and the United States? I came back for Hope College in 2009. And were your parents still there? My parents came back with me and they've started doing work here. Did you have in mind that you were going to be an art major? Yes, I did. And Hope College was a very good place for me to to go. And so do they have a ceramics program there? I'm not familiar with their art offerings. Yes, they did. Um, The teacher was Billy Mayer and He's the one who pushed me to choose something and stick with it. He told me that I had a lot of good ideas, but that I needed to take them and follow them through to a conclusion with making a series instead of just doing one-shots. And so the panoramic bowls became a series, and then I pursued it to Pearl because of his instruction. So in 2014, you graduated and then did you just, um, yeah, I know you have a studio, you work in your house and then you work, you rent space outside of your house as well? Yes, I rent, I rent studio space in, at Potworks on M40. I'm a studio partner there. Uh, and, And what town is that in? That's in Hamilton. Would you recommend that young artists like yourself that others enter Art Prize? I think it has great potential, but I think you have to figure out if you're able to put in the time. But I think it is good because I have a friend who's been doing it every year and her pieces are just blossoming. Even if you aren't able to put in a huge amount of time, like I had the opportunity to do, I think that to be able to show your work, if you make good work and you can get it shown, this is a great opportunity because it's it's only $50 to register. It was this year and there's so many people who can see it. It really opens the doorway. As far, yeah, exposure-wise, there's so many people exposure walking. Exposure-wise, yes. Yeah. And so you are um, on, your work is at the DeVos Place venue and you're up on that second level, so if people are trying to find you, you're gonna. And I'll put a link to your your art prize page on my website as well, and I'll link to your Facebook and your um, other business website. And I'm, I'm interested too in just that story of how you got into your venue. Did you just send them a request and 
uh, they responded to you or did they seek you out? How did that process work? I sent requests to all the different venues that I could find that had indoor things that were on Pearl because I wanted the venue to correspond to the piece. DeVos Place accepted me. It seemed like an ideal location. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Many thanks to Melody for being on the show. And I really appreciate the piece she made for Art Prize. If you're in town, if you're in Grand Rapids, you can see her piece over at DeVos Place. It's in the ups on the. And if you're not local, I will also put links on craftsanity.com so you can check out the photos. I'll have photos on my website. I also link to Melody's business, Joy Jack Ceramics. So you can have a look over there as well. All right, so I'm going to get back to work. I have a couple more Art Prize interviews that I've recorded. And I honestly could do these all day long. I mean, there's just so much I could do. And my students, um, it's been really fun because I'm obviously limited, you know, with how much I can do myself. But my students have been fanning out across the city. And I'm hearing the most wonderful stories through my students who've been reporting. So uh, you can check out thecollegiatelive.com as well to see some of the stories that are coming out of Grand Rapids Community College. Learn a little bit more about Art Prize. In the meantime, craft sanity, my friends. It works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at craftsanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at craftsanity.etsy.com. Same time next week will be craft.